Hey, good morning. Hey, if you're new, um, uh, I also want to welcome you. I'm Charlie, uh, the lead pastor here, and really glad that you're worshiping with us today. And um, we are in the middle of a series on money, uh, which is something we do uh, fairly often. We've been talking about giving over the the last couple weeks, and Mark kicked it off last week by talking about um, one of the main reasons why we, it's important that we give is because it's the it's the right thing to do. It's 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 not only it's not only a command, but even before it was a command, he talked about Cain and Abel before there were even any Bible laws to follow. They just knew that it was the right thing to do. And so we're going to continue kind of talking about some other different things, but there's something I'm, I'm, I'm kind of excited about because there's this thing that's kind of happened over the last few years where kind of our giving cycle is kind of weird where typically like summer, fall is like not a big giving time for us, and so we kind of were running a deficit for the first six months or so of our giving year, it starts in July, and then by the time the spring rolls around, when we usually talk about money, like the little slide comes up and it talks about, hey, you're like twenty thousand, thirty thousand dollars in debt, and like, and then suddenly we're talking about giving, and everybody's like, mm-hmm, yeah, I'm sure this just some spontaneous word from the Lord this brother got, right? Is 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 um is you know, and so it's actually a cycle. We kind of just say, hey, look, see, look, look at this, right? So now, this year, it's been different. We've had a great giving year so far, and we are currently running a surplus above what we need for our budget, and we're still talking about this. And, and the good news is, is you don't have to sit there with any worries or thoughts about mixed motives. And what we can be talking about is really about what it is you need to hear. What is it that God is wanting to do in your life about money? Without any fear or anxiety or thoughts at all about what the church needs or, or, or budget deficits or anything. Because the reality of it is, there's some really amazing things that God is wanting to do in and through your life, but it's going to require us to have a completely different attitude about our money. And this thing that, that it's really important to me, and we'll talk about this here in a little bit more too, but we have seen... And our family, like my wife and I, this, this June, here in a few months, we're going to have been married 20, 25 years. And I know, right? I want to just keep talking about this because I'm really excited about it. So I'll find ways to bring it up over the next few months. That, and um, it's, it's pretty cool. And we've seen God do some incredible things in our lives. Uh, we've seen God provide for us in miraculous ways. And um, we've seen a lot of blessing in our lives. And I would tie all of it to the attitudes that we have about making giving a priority in our lives. And uh, I know that these things can be a little bit awkward. Sometimes we talk about money, it can be awkward, but I'd be doing you a huge disservice, and I'd be something, but I wouldn't be your pastor. If, if, if I didn't tell you, kind of just kind of help you unlock these principles that can help you experience your relationship with God and the blessing of God in ways that probably a lot of us never have. And so we're going to be looking at Mark, kind of kicked us off with a story in Genesis on Cain and Abel. Today we're going to look at a different Old Testament story in 1 Kings chapter 17. And we'll be talking about a prophet today named Elijah, a name that may be familiar to some of you. Some of you may not be familiar with that name, but he's actually this incredible prophet and um, spoke, the word, spoke for God amongst all the people of Israel for quite some time, did some incredible miracles. It's probably one of the top five, maybe even top three most important uh, characters in the in the Old Testament, as far as his connection with God and what he saw God do during his lifetime, 
And so he's this huge, important prophet and historical figure um, for Israel. And they're in the middle of kind of this, this drought that comes from, you know, kind of got, they're under God's judgment, the people are, and now they're, now they're in this drought. And Elijah's still speaking for God, but is also trying to navigate just the, hard, the hardships that come from living in Israel during a drought. And so here we are, 1 Kings chapter 17, starting in verse 7. And sometime later the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Elijah, came to him, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. So Elijah's in this one town, and the brook dries up, and so I was wondering, where am I going to get provision? And God says, hey, I want you to go to this town, and I've actually already prepared something for you in this town. If you go to this town, there's a widow, and I've kind of directed her to make sure that she, and she's going to be the one that provides for you. So, so you, just, you, just, you just go over there. So he goes, and he finds this widow, and he says, hey, listen, I, I need something to eat. And rather than her having this moment, was like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, sure, no, no worries, She's like, man, actually, I don't have anything. And, and the little bit that I do have, I was about to prepare this last meal for my son and I, and then uh, I, I guess we were just going to die. And he says, hey, listen, no, you do this thing, and you're going to see God show up in a huge way, and, and, you'll, and you'll never run out of food again. And then it says that it, that's exactly what happened. And so it's this really powerful story, and I don't know how many of you are familiar with this story at all. This was, it's actually a fairly familiar story for me. It was in the rotation. I've talked about this before. In our church growing up, we were there every week, and you go to Sunday school as a kid, and you go from first grade to class, second grade class, and every class, there's like the same 52 stories over and over again. And this is kind of, this is like an epic story. You may not be familiar, this is an epic story. This is in the top 50, right? This is one of those ones that gets told because... Not only is it just kind of cool the fact that you know he can, she makes the, you know, takes the flour and oil and makes bread and then she's still no matter how much she uses there's still more left it just never ran out which is just it's just a cool miracle that you get to see but beyond it just being a cool miracle and kind of being a cool story of God providing for this poor woman I think there are some actually some pretty powerful incredible principles about giving and the lifestyle that God is wanting us to have that are found in this passage that I want to make sure that we understand. And the first one, it even happens before 
uh, Elijah even goes and meets this woman, where, where what, what, what God says to Elijah is this. He says, go at once to Zarephath, say there, I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. And so uh, the first thing that I want us to make sure that we, we get from this is that God designates us for giving. He, he picked her. He picked her. There's a woman, there's a widow, and I have picked her to meet this need. There's this need that, um, that they had and uh, that God has. He's like, I've got this prophet. I need to keep him alive. I need, to, I need him to continue to do this work. But he has a physical slash financial need. And so God looks out and he looks at a particular town and a particular widow in a particular town and says, this is the person that I have designated. I have called them out to meet this need. Now, there's a, there's a few things in this story that I think, as, as we kind of look at it a little bit deeper, that I don't know if troubling is the right word, weird, unusual, right? But, but here's, here's one that's part of this. So it says that God, what, the, the exact words, that I've directed a widow to supply you with food. And so then Elijah's like, great, so I'm going to get here, and there's this widow who God has already talked to, and I'm going to get there and be like, hey, um, you, I need some food. And she's going to be like, yeah, I, God just told me that. But it doesn't go down like that at all. God says he directed her, but it seems like maybe he forgot. Like, like, like he forgot to tell her. It, don't be confused because you're tired and it's time to change Sunday. God didn't forget. That's not how it works. Okay? I'm just, it's just, these are the jokes. I just don't want anybody to get confused because you're tired. Um, he set her apart. Like, this is the one. And, but he didn't, he didn't do the big booming God voice. Elijah is coming. Provide him with bread. bread, 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 bread. He, didn't, he didn't do that. He wanted this to be a willful act of faith on her part. It's a little bit easier to respond to giant booming voice. It's a little bit more challenging to respond as an act of faith to this challenge that has been put right before her. But the principle is still the same. And the principle is, is that God specifically called her to meet this need. And one of the main things that I want you to walk away with is that God is looking to do the very same thing in your life. There are physical needs that people have. There are needs that missionaries have as they're raising money, local ministries here. You are a part of a church that has financial needs. And God is looking and saying, okay, this church needs this amount of money. I pick you, 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 and you. And there's this missionary. They're going to go do something incredible overseas, and they need an amount of money. I pick you, 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 and you. And you've been picked by God to meet a need. And if nothing good ever happened after that, that should be enough to be like, but that's actually pretty awesome. That God would have a need that needs to be met, and He would pick you. You should already feel proud. You should already feel special in that moment. Even if there's no, and then God does something cool later. It is cool enough that the God of the universe wants to use you and the resources He's given you to do something really cool somewhere. Like keep His, his main prophet alive. That's amazing. 
And I don't know if you've ever been in that situation. I, I, we have, and because of who we are, because we lived on missionary support for six years when we first got married, and because being a pastor and being connected with a lot of different ministries, we, we, we'll get these calls a lot where, where people will ask us to, to come on their support team because they know that we're at least favorable to the idea. We may tell them no, but we're not going to yell at them, right? And some, of their, some people get worried when they're raising support. They're like, why are you begging me for money? Go get a job. I'm like, oh, you don't know how this works. I, we're not going to say that, right? Some people like to come ask us. Some people, some people even like, hey, we know you probably can't say yes, but can I at least test my support raising spill on you, right? Like, sure, no worries. And we know we have a designated amount of money that we give. It's a, we, give a, we give our 10% to the church, and then we give above and beyond that to other things. And oftentimes we'll take these meetings, and um, we know that we can't say yes. Until you're just sitting there and you know that you don't, I mean, here's the thing, we don't, we don't have in our, in our planned giving, we don't have anything, and all of a sudden they're in the middle of their spill and God be like, yeah, you need to say yes to that. And I'd be like, mm, I'm already, I'm already, I'm already above and beyond, man, I'm already in like the, I'm already like on the A-list, and, and, and we, it's like, no, no, this, this one's yours. Okay. I argued, I argued only a little bit anymore. Because I tell you what, there's one thing that's true in my life, that when God has called us to give to something, there's never been one moment in my life I've ever regretted it. There's never one moment I'm like, man, I wish I'd been less generous. Man, I wish I had that money back. I wish I had been able to buy more snacks. <laughs> Have you ever had a moment like that? Somebody's making some giving plea, they're talking about it here at the church or another church you've been a part of, or... Some missionary, you hear about some need, you read about something on Facebook, and you hear this voice says, yep, that one's you. If the answer to that is no, I would encourage you to approach your life a little bit differently. To walk around with eyes, ears, hearts, minds, just a little bit more open. Because God is looking to use you. He has given you resources, and there are needs out there that God has specifically designated for you to be a part of. And if the answer to that question, though, is yes, I encourage you to follow up that with yes. Because it is a special honor to be picked by God. We, we give a lot of credit, and rightly so, to the brave people who go do awesome things all around the world to do really cool things for God. But there's also something really awesome to be said about the people that God picks to put the money together for the awesome person to go do the thing, for the church to happen, for the people to get fed, for the gospel to go to places around the world where it's not. You've been picked. And, and, and I hope that we, we will just start walking around with an idea of, I wonder what God's going to pick me for next. Looking for great opportunities to say yes. And like I said... That's enough in and of itself. That should be theoretically. Mark starts last week with, it's the right thing to do. It doesn't really matter what you think about it. That's, a, that's enough to get us there, right? Go to the next level, man. God's picking you. That, that is, now we're more than enough, but it keeps going. And this story illustrates a principle <coughs> that I think that is really important, and it really is cover to cover true of the Bible. And it's important for us to get it. And it's a very simple idea that God blesses generosity. 
She said yes, okay, she, she wasn't expecting to be picked. She didn't know that she was picked. God did not forewarn her. But Elijah, she finds out from Elijah, she was picked. You're the one. And then she says yes to it. And then, she is, and then she's overwhelmingly blessed. I mean, it was this cool supernatural story where she's got this, just this much flour and this much oil, and she makes, she uses all of it theoretically to make bread, and there's always more left. And it says that this happened day after day after day. Every day, the same slash a new miracle. I mean, it happens once, and that's really cool. You happen twice, maybe you start to get used to it. But it is a supernatural miracle every day. She uses enough oil and flour every day to run out, but she never runs out. God overwhelmingly blessed her. She had nothing, and God made sure that she had plenty. Now, here's another weird, troubling, different aspect of the story. So, she, so Elijah says, hey, I, I need some bread. And she says, well, I don't, I'm, I don't really have any. And I actually have a little bit, and then me and my son are going to die. And here's what Elijah could have said. Hey, listen, God wants to do something really cool in your life. You go home, make yourself a meal for you and your son. And then God is going to, when you do that, he, you're going to have some left over. And it's going to be great. And I want you to take that and, and make a loaf of bread for me. I mean, it would still be the same supernatural miracle, right? It's still, I only had this much uh, ingredients and I made this much bread. That's still a miracle. It is still awesome. It's still God blessing generosity. But that is not what he did. He said, I hear where you're coming from. I know you're about to starve to death. Make me a loaf of bread first. It's actually a really cool act of faith that she's being asked to make here. Meet the need first, respond to God's request first. Then you'll see the blessing. It would have still been, I think, a top 50 Bible story. I still think it would have made it into the rounds. It still would have been really cool. There'd still be lots of great giving principles to be taken from here if it had gone the other way. But I think it was important for her in that moment. And I think God knew that there would be thousands of years of reflections on this story. And I think it's important for us to understand that what God asked her to do was to give to meet the, other, the need first, be generous first, and then the blessing will come. Because I've been around long enough, I've been pastoring long enough, I've been talking to people long enough to know that there are a lot of people that are wanting to live a story, not like the widow's story here, but like the hypothetical way I described the way the widow's story might could have been. Where you're sitting around and you hear a plea or you understand that God is calling you to tithe and give to your church. He's wanting you to give above and beyond to missions or something like that. And, and, and you, feel, you feel like I have a limited amount of resources. And you want to make a bargain with God of some kind. God, okay, if this is really important to you, I'm going to take this limited amount of money that I have 
and then I'm going to, to pay all of my bills, and I will give you whatever's left over. So if you want to bless what I have, which isn't much, you want to bless what I have, I'm going to pay my bills, and then what's left is yours. And I would like to say that that is a lot closer to testing God than trusting God. And the blessing comes when we trust God. I trust Him. I believe Him. I believe Him and I take Him at His word that if I will follow His principles, I will experience His blessing. We are wanting to experience the blessing by our own rules, by our own ideas, by putting faith in our own plan. By taking care of myself first. And God says, no, actually, actually, I'm first. And if you'll put me first, again, this principle cover to cover, talking about finance, everything. you put me first, everything else will work out fine. I will make your path straight. I will bless you. But you're going to have to get this straight. And here's the thing about this. I, I, again, for almost 25 years, part of me just wants to just like, hey, well, let's just spend the next 10 minutes and I'm just going to tell you 20 different stories of how God has overwhelmed us, about how we have experienced this tangibly. But I'll just, I'll just do this one, and I'm sure I've told this before because it's one of my favorites. We were, we were at seminary, which is like preacher grad school, and, and we had a two-year-old. My wife was six months pregnant, and... Is, is, is just kind of our habit. We, we can never sell a house when we move. So we, we, we still own this house in, in Conway, Arkansas, and I'm a pizza delivery driver, and we're making a mortgage payment. And then, I'm a, then I get this great promotion to Chick-fil-A night manager. I'm still making this mortgage payment. And the one car that we brought to seminary blew up. The car we got to replace it was a lemon. It stranded me six times. And, and, and we don't have any money, and there's more money going out than we had anticipated. And I had this really detailed spreadsheet about how we were going to work all of this and the money that we needed. And every time I worked it, it was always red. And, it was, and, and, and this, this was the best-case scenario. And we kept changing it. We've got to add this. We've got to get this car. And we've got to do this. It broke again. And we put all these things in. And if there's ever a time when it would be okay to take a pause from giving. It's then, right? I got no money and I'm going to God's school. Right? People at God's school don't have to give. You're already giving by being at God's school and you got the little kids, you don't have any money. But we didn't. We continued to give. And when we left there two years later, we had more money in our savings and checking account than we did when we got there. Ask me how. I don't know. I was, I, was, I, was, I was studying these numbers. I was obsessing about them. All I know is that God is God and this is what God does. That's what I know. This is what God does. I have, I have, I have no explanation for this other than this is what God does. That's one story of 25 years worth of God providing for us in incredible circumstances. We've had a little bit of money. We've had relatively more money. We've gone through financial crises. We've gone through these things where it's like everything important seems to break. And, 
you know, you have, you think you're doing a really good job. You've got, you know, we've got a few thousand dollars in our emergency fund. And so, and then three things happen where you spend that money three times, right? Well, now's the time. We'll, have, we'll just, we'll just take a one month break. No, don't take the break. When you take the break, when you choose not to do it, when you choose to let fear reign, you miss out on the blessing. And so we can get into a cycle of, I don't really feel like I've got quite enough, I'm a little bit scared, and so I'm going to make not God-honoring finance decisions, which cause me to have more fear, which lead me to make even worse decisions, or we can do like what this lady did. I'm going to choose to believe Him, and then I'm going to see the blessing. And then she wakes up the next day, and she still doesn't have enough bread. And I'm going to do it again. And she saw the blessing again. Every day until the drought ended. You can live in a fear cycle or a trust cycle with God with your finances. I encourage you to be what she did. Now here's the thing. I say that God blesses generosity. And sometimes that word, that phrase, that idea, hey, you give, God's going to take care of you, it kind of gets muddled with some weird things that people have said. And I didn't think this was a thing anymore until Kurt back there in the back, he sends me a picture. He got one of these little detailed letter package things that has like a special prayer cloth thing in it. How many of you have ever gotten one of those before? Okay. First service, then nobody had gotten one. I was like, how have you? Like, how, like, Kurt, he's on good list, I guess, or bad list. I don't know, how, I don't know what list you're on. Anyway, I hadn't got one of these. He asked me if I'd ever gotten one. I was like, it's probably been 20 years. But it's this highly manipulative thing where you get this little cloth and you... You send it back maybe with $1,000 or whatever. There's all these different steps that you've made. And what's going to happen is it's like a get-rich-quick scheme. You're, like, you're going to trick God into making you rich by, by, by following these simple steps with, this, with, the, with, the, with the prayer cloth thing. As if, as if, that, as if you're just going to trick Him. Or that His purpose in blessing you is to make you rich. This woman didn't get rich. That was his word. But she was overwhelmingly blessed by being able to meet the need, by, by having God do this supernatural thing with her food. But really, here's the primary reason why God blesses our generosity. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6-11. through Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly, making like a little farming, throwing seed, like, right? You throw out a little bit of seed, you're going to reap a little bit of crops, right? Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work, as it is written. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way. Why? So that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God.
God blesses generosity, sure. You know why He does it? He does it so you can continue to be generous. That's why God blesses generosity. He blesses generosity so that you can continue to be generous. <laughs> That's what happened with this, with, with this widow. He blessed her, so she trusted God and made Elijah the loaf of bread, and then she didn't run out. So that the next day, she could feed Elijah again. And then she and her son would eat. And then the next day, she fed Elijah again. Day after day, that's what it says, day after day, so that Elijah and her and her family could eat. She every day was able to be generous with the little bit that God gave her, and she saw an incredible cycle. God is looking for people who will be generous so that He can see them do incredible things. I, I want to bless this person because I've got way more opportunities for them to be generous again. God wants to do something incredible in your finances. He wants to do something amazing in your life. And I'm telling you what, again, knowing, knowing where most of us are, if the only blessing that God gave you was to minimize the anxiety and fear that you have dealing with your finances, you should make that trade today. But he promises so much more than that. This isn't a get-rich-quick scheme. This isn't a way to trick God. This is about seeing what God is going to do something incredible in your heart and your life. And if there's anything that I want more of, it's more of God's blessing in my life. And God's blessing on my finances... Even if you feel like, man, this is just too vague, it's too weird, I don't know what it means. All I know is that God has promised that His favor will be on me and my finances when I give generously to Him. It's looked different at different times, and every story that in my life over the last 25 years is different, and my stories are different than your stories, but one thing is true. We all need the favor of God on our finances. And it's time for us to give up this idea of, I'm going to do what I'm going to do, and if God wants to bless me in the end, He can. Because that's never been what God's going to do. We need to be people who make a decision to say, I'm going to live a life with my eyes open, looking for where God's going to pick me. I'm going to give I'm going to expect His generosity, His blessing, and then look again, because, because of that, look for the next one, and the next one, and the next one. And the next thing you know, your life, your finances are just completely different. So as we respond in worship, man, you just be honest, be honest. We're going to spend some more time talking about this. It's kind of help us process. There's some, some pretty big things probably. We're going to have to change in our hearts and our attitudes to get from where you are right now to like this widow. Let's pray for each other that those things will happen. If you need some extra prayers today, as always, the prayer teams back there would love to pray with you. But let's worship, let's pray for each other. Again, not because the church needs it, but because you need it. You need to live a life 
of giving and generosity. So as always, we've got the buckets that are coming, but, and, and I encourage you to give. But more than a one-time response, let's pray that God will deeply change our hearts and open up blessing in our lives. Let's pray. God, I thank you. God, I thank you for this, this, this widow and her generosity. Got a story, a legendary story for thousands of years and, and will live for eternity. And God, you give us those moments all the time to respond to you, to make a difference that will last for eternity. And so, God, I pray that we will be givers when it comes to our church, that we will be givers when it comes to people in need, to local ministries, to missionaries all around the world, that individually and collectively as a church, we will be generous. And that, God, that we would just be overwhelmed by the blessing that comes from you. We thank you for your Son who makes this life possible, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen.